Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Latin America International Championships and the results, dive into a brief MetaShare study, a hot topic from LAIC, our new set, Shiny Treasures, uh, also known as Paldean Fates, and some new cards. And then we're going to close the show with our predictions for Gdansk and the Brisbane Regionals. My name is Justin, also known as Pokebrews, and with me is Nick, also known as Dark Bear Dojo. How you doing, Nick? I want french fries. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want french fries. That's that's it. I think we all want french fries all the time. Yeah, I, there's there's something about them that is just so special. I God, I, I want fries so bad. Oh my God, I'm trying well, not to eat them. <laughs> let me ask you this. Where's your go-to French fry place? Like, if, like, what's your favorite place to get French fries from right now? I don't think I have like a, a specific fry place. Although there's a burger spot around the corner for me that makes some pretty choice waffle fries. Uh, so they're really good. And after that, uh, this, this is just another kind of like specialty burger place it's um they're, they're also very very good other than that like wendy's probably like i love wendy's because i'm trash it's so funny wendy's used to be like the worst fries on the planet and now they're actually pretty decent i gotta agree with you on that one wendy's are wendy's are good but the question is regular fries steak fries curly fries like waffle fries what, what, are, you, what are you going with oh man see that's the hard one because like that's i'm one of those the different moods have different fries like you know what i mean like the waffle fries are good but then sometimes you want those checkers fries because it got the seasoning on them and yeah um but if i had to choose one probably waffle fries if i had to guess or had to pick one because they're those are pretty much always good generally I'm I'm a, a very boring, straight cut, regular French fry kind of guy. Um, I just want some good, classic French fries. They can you never go wrong with them. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, after this, you'll have to definitely get yourself some French fries to, to you know to hit that uh, niche. A- after after I fight, I will. I'm that day. I'm going to get a burger and fries for sure. <laughs> Celebration. So, celebration or consolation it doesn't really matter which one i'm getting fries <laughs> there you <laughs> fries, go burger fries milkshake uh that's that's happening it's it's already in my head so nice nice what about you how's your, how's your past week been uh it's been good so my wife and i celebrated our five-year wedding anniversary um, oh congratulations yeah thank you we uh didn't do anything crazy, even though it was our five year. We uh, it's the nice time of year down here in Florida, so we went out to uh, this place called Bach Tower Gardens, which is like a big. It's the highest point in Florida. Um, it's up on a hill, and there's like a thing that plays like music, and it's just it's out in the, pretty much the middle of nowhere. Um, it's just a really cool getaway place, and so we had a picnic out there, and just like um, you know, got one of the grandparents to watch our daughter. So it was just us and we got to relax a little bit so it was very nice it, it, it was nice and then um i also played in a challenge a day after we recorded last week and got second place so um, yes i saw on twitter very good job i i'm i'm super happy i was hoping for that first place me and the uh, the person who got first we actually id'd um i actually had better resistance going into it but all the people i played ended up losing their final round so he bubbled oh, right above me and it's God. fine it was it's actually one of my teammates um so it just guaranteed us okay. first and second 
Okay, that's um, fine. That's if you're gonna lose to or come in second to anybody, teammates the way to go. Exactly, and you know, I was really hoping for that first because I wanted to break the hundred points. Um, if I would have got first, it would have I would have been at a hundred and one points. But since I got second, I'm sitting at 98 points. So we're almost there. Um, I've got a cup this weekend, so we're hoping to break that hundred points and you know just keep keep going. But outside of that, um, speaking of points, there's a lot more people who got a lot more points than I did at uh, the LAIC uh, International Championship, the first international championship of the uh, the year so far. Yeah, and from what I saw on Twitter, it seems like people are getting championship points for, I don't want to say for poor records, but for like slightly above average records, they were getting, you know, 30, 40 championship points, which is pretty crazy, but also cool for the people who went there. Like, it feels good to at least, you know, you spent the money, you went there, you probably practiced, and, and you got something for your effort. So, I mean... For, uh, for, you know, four two two or whatever record, it's not bad by any means. Or you know, four three two, it's not terrible. Um, you're above fifty percent win rate, so it's you know you get you get something for your efforts. Uh, it's not, yeah. not a terrible time. And and the international championship grind is really the way to go. Actually, too, it seems this year with the points threshold being so high. I mean, the payout points wise is so good on the international championships which is why i'm really excited for naic coming up for myself um but yeah it's just it's it's the way to go but outside of that um there was 1263 masters at laic which is a massive amount for you know latin america events um and what took down the entire uh event it was unfortunately Maridon Iron Hands. So, uh, Juho, I got, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Juho Kawa. I believe so. I think that's it. If not, I'm super sorry. I apologize. Juho Kalama, 14 2 and 2 record to take home the first championship or the first IC championship of the year. So, congratulations. Uh, very, Maridon. It's really good. <laughs> That's I mean, what else what else do we need to say about it at this point? It's won a bunch of regionals or a handful of regionals. It's been performing super well. Now taking down an IC with the help of Iron Hands, Jake Earhart's worst fear. <laughs> I know. He said it was gonna be a problem and uh I wouldn't say so much a problem, but it's definitely making waves coming into the first event of the season. Um, we saw it quite a few times on stream and different, various different decks, and uh, just taking an extra prize card is—I mean, it's always been strong. Yeah, there's been so many times, especially for a deck like Maridon, uh, decks like Champau, decks like Roaring Moon that want to really want to stay on an even prize trade two two two, um, or you know three three something like that, where throwing a single prize Pokemon into the active. <laughs> can disrupt that flow and give your opponent a you know a turn or so to recover and now you have to you, you know it just it just makes it a little bit more challenging so iron hands being able to keep you on that even prize trade by t- turning a single prize into a two prize pokemon is really really valuable i mean my goodness it's i, I guess like we said it's not this so far 
super busted, broken card that everybody has to fear and it ruins the game. So far, it hasn't been that bad. But it's not great either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with this list, um, it is pretty much your standard Maridon list with the inclusion of that Iron Hands EX. Instead of playing the second Raichu, it seems like uh, jo- uh, Juho, like I said, if that is how we pronounce your name, uh, went down to one Raichu and then uh, in place put that other Iron Hands. But one of the great things about Iron Hands in this deck is the fact that you're already running four electric generators. Um, it's just an easy way to accelerate energies onto something on the bench. And for that, uh, we see he's also playing the free retreat Zorora. So if you say you get knocked out, you can bring up that Zorora, put down your Iron Hands, pop off an electric generator, or accelerate with Flaffy. And then use that free retreat to bring that Iron Hands into the active. Um, something else we also see, which I think is kind of unique inclusion in this list, is the fact or the the inclusion of one double turbo energy. And I think that's purely there for the Iron Hands. In case, say, you whiff off your electric generators, you can always use that four seal stone to go grab that double turbo if you need it and attach it to an Iron Hands after you've accelerated with two Flaffies and be going for one attachment per turn. So um, very interesting on that, but it obviously worked for him. What are what are some things in this list that you see that you, you like, don't like, you feel like are interesting? Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, I definitely think the Pokemon Go Zapdos that lets your basic electric Pokemon do an extra 10 damage is pretty valuable. Something we, we see common. Uh, it's not a, a particularly new tech. The Mew EX is always uh, an interesting choice. Like the Zeraora, it's there for the free retreat, but can also help you draw some cards. Maridon doesn't really draw a ton of cards. You're super reliant on your draw supporters and the the use of Raikou to actually draw cards. So having that Mew means you can thin out your hand, get three free cards, and now you could start to play your generators. You could start to use your Flaffies, attach for turn. All of a sudden, something like an Iron Hands or a Raikuma Raidon, they're powered up instantly. Yeah, you know, like you said, you have the double turbo energy to just attach. Now all you have to do is either, uh, you know, like Flaffy and hit like just one energy off of the, um, the electric generator. You don't even have to hit both. So it makes it a little bit easier to power up that Iron Hands. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see it a little bit more frequently. Uh, the rest of the deck is like, you know, what you come to expect from Marida. I don't think there's a, a whole ton unique, but the double turbo, really cool. Yeah, and one thing actually looking at this list again real quick too is uh, I just noticed is the inclusion of a super rod. So something I haven't really seen a lot of Marida on list run, mainly because they kind of just streamline those two prize attackers in Raikou and Marida on, you play multiple of them, so you don't really need to get them back. But a couple times I saw uh, this weekend was the inclusion of that Maridon or that Super Rod and Maridon list. And a play I saw more than once was cycling some of those energies back into deck. So therefore, your late game electric generator, say you haven't used all four, you have a better chance of hitting an energy because you're you're filling your thin down deck back up with some energies because you can really only accelerate one, maybe two energies from your discard pile at a time with the Flaffy. It just kind of increases those chances, and also that allows you, uh, say, you want to go in with Iron Hands for a second time. Well, now you can do that because you have that Super Rod. So um, 
all in all, just really awesome list. And I mean, congrats. I, I would not have had Maridon to win the first IC on my my bingo card. That's for sure. Oh, I super would have. I'm not, after seeing all the success that it's had at regionals, I am not surprised that it took down this IC. But I do want to make a comment about that super rod because it is a little interesting. And what I think it does more than anything is allow you to discard your iron hands so that you don't have to bench it, give up the two prizes before you even get to use it. So now you can discard it freely with Squawkabilly, Squawk and Seize, Ultra Ball, Research, whatever. It goes to the discard. It's safe there, right? It, it, you can get it back with that Super Rod. And now when you're ready for it, okay, I'm going to Super Rod it back into, into the deck. I have a one of Nest Ball. I have four Ultra Balls. I can find it probably. Uh, I could technically tandem unit for it. So we have a lot of ways to get that Pokemon into play once it comes back into the deck from Super Rod. Now I can start to use my Flappies. I can use my Electric Generators. I can attach for turn, all that fun stuff to power this up. And I was able to get rid of it, keep it safe, not have to worry about benching, uh, having, like I said, boss KO'd and giving up those two prizes. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's in there for that more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, and that's the big thing is you want to go super turbo. So I can definitely see that with the squawk ability, squawk ability, having to get rid of things maybe you want later in the game, um, but you have no other choice. So a uh, good point to bring up on that. But I, I think we should talk about the deck that most people, at least, at least the, my Twitter feed, the deck that people wanted to win was Entei Iron Valiant, belovedly known as Kibble and Bits, which I love that name. <laughs> no. Kibbles That's and Bits the first is time I've heard that. That is amazing. Uh, oh, so Noah Soya came in second again. Huge congratulations to Noah for placing second at the IC. 13, 3, and 2, just one win shy, right? I mean, they came in second, so obviously. Um, they called the deck Kibbles and Bits. Uh, or, or was it Noah? Uh, maybe I don't remember who actually did it. I'm I'm really sorry. I could be wrong on that, but it might have been whoever still, played it. But still, that's amazing. Yeah, it might have been the individual who played it to the Senior Doom Tournament of Doom Regional, because that was the first time we really saw this deck. And uh, I, it was so, someone called it Kibbles a bit, said, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm blanking on it. But either way, incredible name. Yeah, the, that's perfect for this. It's just so awesome. But um yeah we we talked pretty in depth about this deck or I, I say in depth but we talked about this deck for a few minutes uh the last pod and we were both fans of it and to see yeah. it come into a second place finish um just shows that you know it it is a, a deck a lot of people were kind of writing off the, the iron valiant after um our last recording saying maybe it's not as strong as we thought but it just placed second in the ic so it's got to be good, right? Well, this is where it gets a little interesting, right? Is it good? Or is it Noah's really good? You know, Noah had good matchups. Because if you look at, at the listings for this particular build, Entei-Iron Valiant, there are three decks that made, top, uh, made Day 2 at uh, LAIC. And they are second place. And then the next one's 60th place, and then 74th. Those are not bad placings by any means, but it's, you know, it's not like we're seeing a ton of them all over the place. Again, it could very easily be because there's not a bunch of people playing it. That's also uh, 
something to consider there. But I don't I don't know yet if it's if it's because it's really good or it's really popular. It seems like it was a pretty small uh, percent of the meta share at like two point two four percent according to limitless data. So and I don't know if that includes previous tournaments. There's one from Indianapolis in twenty twenty two that I don't know if it's included in that, but <laughs> you get the you get the idea. Not a lot of people played it. It's it's doing okay. It's just is it a very good deck or is Noah a really good pilot? That's that's something I, we have to consider. Yeah, and I definitely think it's a mix of both. Uh Noah, Noah Sawyer obviously a very good player. Um, but the deck itself too, um, like we talked about last week, uh, this out of all the Iron Valiant variants, I feel like has the most early and late game potential. Yeah. yeah. Um, out of all the variants, all the other ones kind of like have your early game pop off, but they don't really have a strong follow up. Whereas this version actually has, um, I mean, we see Raikou V all like constantly right now has really good, uh, placement in the meta and that does the exact same tack as Entei V except it's lightning type instead of fire. Suicune used to see a lot of play uh, back in the day and it does the exact same thing except it's a water type. Uh, but with that like we mentioned last week as well uh, it has the ability to use the magma basin to accelerate energies to be a little bit faster but also throwing in that radiant Charizard which can be huge because if your opponent tries to limit their bench size to maybe potentially get around that Entei V being able to do large damage well, now that Radiant Charizard can come in and really do big damage for not that much of a cost, especially later in the game. Uh, that, and then also, depending on your matchups, the Yoga Loop potential with Metacham is just is so incredible. I mean, if you can literally clear their board before they even get to play, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty much over before it even starts. Um, something that I think is really interesting in this list that I didn't, don't remember seeing in previous lists though is the inclusion of that technical machine devolution so i think that what that is there for is to spread a bunch of damage around with the iron valiance and then devolve them or devolve your opponent's pokemon and take multiple knockouts um if you you know say you're going against a charizard which they're all too big and bulky for you to knock out now you can devolve them and knock them out and you're only taking one prize but you're also taking the uh, threats off the board at the same time. It's great because it does a couple of things. It works in things like Charizard, like you said. It also works really well into Chien Pao. You can take down the Baxcalibers that way. But not only do you remove those threats, but you, depending on the version of like, like Chien Pao, Baxcalibur, Baxcalibur must use Rare Candy. They do not play Arctobax. The Charizard decks are starting to play the uh, the Charmeleon. So you could go back and, you know, it might be a little bit harder to do against Charizard, but depending on the build, maybe they're super heavy rare candy, whatever. But in some of these instances, you forced, they use their rare candies. So now they either go down to Charmeleon and they can go back to Charizard the next turn, in which case it's not that powerful, or you've made them use their rare candy that's where it's the strongest or in matchups like uh to giratina you can hit for a bunch of damage with the raikou or uh, the uh the entei for example you could do that 220 but you can't get the 280 because maybe you know whatever the circumstances so now next turn i can come in with a de-evolution and 
take it out that way and also spread a bunch of damages to Comfies. And you can work around things like Roxanne. You can work around strong Ionos that way. I can purposefully leave, you know, a, enough damage on a, a Giratina V or something so it doesn't get KO'd. Then I could start tacking on bits, taking these comfies out, and now boom, I can go ahead and uh, de evolution, get my, you know, three, four, five prizes in a single turn, depending on how you set things up. I think it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, same. I, it is, it is really, it has a lot of potential plays, uh, which the other variants don't. So I, I do like this variant the most. And congrats to Noah again on the second place finish. And then, also, with this being the first IC, I believe the first and second place finishers automatically get their world's invite. Because uh, I, I know a regional, correct. it's the winner, but then ICs is the first and second. So um, we're going to see both these guys at worlds. Yeah, and by then the format will be super different, so it'll be cool to see how things change up. But yes, uh, finalists for ICs both lock in their world's invite. I don't know if they're in the stipend race or not, so... Uh, championship points will still matter potentially but something else that's cool about this deck is you mentioned before the entei can be really useful for late game attacks but that's not that's only half of it right one of the big things that sometimes and we saw this um i think it was top four top eight when noah played against the giratina list or uh was it was that with seniors i can't remember it's so many so much pokemon over this past weekend <laughs> i didn't take any notes Someone played Iron Valiant Entei against Lawson Giratina. And if you start Sableye or you start Comfy Pass, you're in a ton of trouble. But they say, okay, well, I got these big, bulky 220 HP Giratinas. I'll just put that, those down. Well, now, even if they only bench the two Comfies or they bench two Giratinas, three Giratinas, you can still soften up that Giratina with the Iron Valiant to come in with Entei and do big damage early game to take those threats and get those prizes at the beginning of the game as opposed to trying to use it as a later or like mid-game sweeper so you have that flexibility and versatility thanks to things like magma base and jet energy which is a crazy good combo i'm surprised i'm not surprised there's no town store because you really need to find those magma bases to get those anti-attacks off early but i am surprised that there's no arvin to help you find that tool and item card so you can find you know your um a switch card you can find that battle vip pass and then get whatever tool you need i mean there's there's four six tools in this deck so i mean you're yeah gonna, you're gonna use them yeah i almost wonder if instead of colrus arvin would be a, a a good inclusion in this deck um because the colrus is technically a good like dig and you can get rid of things you don't need like battle vip passes but Arvin just kind of guarantees you the, the switches and the tool and all that stuff. So who knows? Uh, it's worth definitely trying out. But yeah, Entei is definitely, uh, it's it's very sought after right now. I don't know if you saw the, oh, the hype of, yeah. they went up to like 30 something dollars at one I'm, point. They're starting to see drop what it now, is right but... now. I'm going to check right now while, while we finish this up because there's no way that it's still $30. It's not. I saw that it was dropping, but um, I, I did pick up one. Like I had mentioned last week, I've been wanting to play this and build it. So I picked up one or two when they were like a dollar. And then I heard that. I'm like, well, do I really want to build this deck? Didn't have to buy two more. <laughs> I don't know where. I mean, it's like you could find one for 850 
with the dollar shipping on TCG player. They're, you know, nine, I'm sure what happened bucks. is there was a big buyout and then everyone rushed and flooded the market again with, they were like, I have a hundred of these sitting in bulk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the, you know, the price continues to drop over the next week or two. Uh, go to oh, eBay. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive. That's where you start to see the $30 with $5 shipping, which if you do that, I have a bridge to sell you. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. I'm interested. <laughs> it's the Verrazano Bridge. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty popular bridge. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, don't buy it from um, eBay. All the prices prices are inflated. Get it from TCG Player. Eight, nine bucks, which, again, I wouldn't be surprised if it drops a dollar or two if that matters to you. But you know. Oh, if not more. I think in a couple of days, it'll, go, it'll be back down to anywhere from three to five dollars that's what usually happens it gets really hyped there's a buyout and then it goes back to normal prices after a couple of days yeah so give it a couple of days sleep on it see what happens uh check out check on it like you know after thanksgiving see what happens there you go um well now we'll move on to our honorable mention uh our honorable mentions uh nick you picked one uh you picked the 11th place deck by pedro pertusi um it's the name we've heard uh thousand times i feel like because he is a great player yeah yeah very very good player and uh pedro played uh it's arvinzard with the pidgeot so kind of going back to original arvinzard we started to see uh if, you know when charizard first came out in obsidian planes there was a bunch of different ways to play charizard with arceus with uh lost zone and now we've kind of settled on two versions of uh, Charizard, you have the TM Evolution version that's a little bit more popular, or I should say a little more new. It's a little more recent. And then you have the, the classic, you know, Arvizard with Pidgeot. I happen to really like the Pidgeot build. I think being able to just search a deck for anything you want every single turn is unbelievably strong. And I played a deck, not this exact build, but pretty similar to it, just last night at Locals. I went undefeated. It was a very good time. Uh, and I won simply because of Pidgeot, because I was able to go, okay, Arvin gets me my rare candy and a tool. So I'm going to get my rare candy to evolve into Pidgeot. I'll attach the tool to my Entei. And now I can go ahead and say it's a uh, Forest Hill Stone. Quick search. Now I get a rare candy Charizard and I can evolve my Charmander. Oh, by the way, this Pidgeot has free retreat. Or I have a Charmander <laughs> in the active, and I'm just going to attack with that because Charizard lets me power up my Pokemon pretty fast. So there you go. And I, I, sw- I no joke, I did that, I think, I, uh, out of however many games I played last night, I did that like four times. It was absurd how many times I just went, okay, Pidgeot, four Seal Stone, boom, turn two, I'm set up. It was so good. Yeah, and I know this deck uh, amongst top players too. I've heard a lot of higher level players talking about that this is more of the correct way to play, and I personally feel like it is as well too. Like you said, the Pidgeot EX just being able to get you whatever you want every single turn on top of it being free retreat. So if you do happen to get knocked out, you just bring your Pidgeot up into the active and get whatever you need to set up and then free retreat it. Um, it also allows you to play things. That, one of the things that I like about the Arvinzar list itself is that the bench is very narrow. You don't need a lot of space to run the Arvinzard version of the deck. 
which allows you to play things like the new Jirachi and Manaphy. Your your worst your worst issue with the deck before uh, Paradox Rift came out was if you had a Turbo Lost Box that really popped off going first, and they knocked out both your Charmanders or a Charmander and a Pidgey. Um, you were just kind of you were in a bad spot. But now the fact that we have the Jirachi that on top of Manaphy now kind of like says, okay, you can't Sableye me and you also can't Radiant Greninja me. Your Pokemon are a little bit more safe and that allows you to um, get set up. Like if, if it ever did get set up, like the Turbo Lost Box didn't pop off turn one, you were golden because it could never hit big enough numbers. And now that you have that Jirachi, you don't have to worry about that anymore, um, which is just huge for the deck. Uh, it also plays things like the Pidgeot V, so you can still attach the Forest Seal Stone, so you can get your missing pieces. Yeah, I was just and it talk is really that. that. Yeah, it's it's that super combo. You you get the Pidgeot down, the Pidgeot V. You attach Forest Seal Stone. You use that Forest Seal Stone to grab your rare candy to evolve into the Pidgeot, then Pidgeot to grab another rare candy. To it's just like this. Yeah, it all it it just it's works. like dominoes. You get one going, and then they all go, and then on top of that. When you're done with the Pidgeot V, you can shuffle it back in your deck to get rid of that liability altogether. Yeah. So it it really is just a very strong version of Charizard EX right now, and it is definitely going to see a lot more play going forward, I believe. The Pidgeot V is really nice because it, it serves three functions. You mentioned it serves the function as something that can attach for a seal stone to and use the star alchemy ability. And you also mentioned that it can be shuffled back into the deck so that it can not be a bench liability. It's not going to be two free prizes. Eye in the hands means it's going to be three prizes. We definitely don't want that. So we can shuffle it back into the deck, but because we can shuffle it back into the deck, we can do two extra things with it, right? Instead of just the Forest Seal Stone. It can be in the active and act as a free pivot, or we could throw it into the active and act as a meat shield and then shuffle it back into the deck after it absorbs a hit or two if we need to buy a turn. Really cool. Uh, we have the justified gloves in here so that we could do 30 more damage to things like Roaring Moon because they do have the tool and that gives them 60, uh, 60 more health. So sometimes hitting moon numbers can be a little challenging. Uh, but in the case that they don't have the tool, we have a 2-2 Charmander split. We have the 70 HP Charmander, which is good for protecting against, you know, double Sableye KOs. We don't have to worry about that. And we have two 60 HP Charmanders that does 30 damage for a single fire energy. And yes, I've used this Charmander again just last night playing. I used this Charmander to attack and get a KO. It was on my opponent's bond suite. <laughs> nice. It, they, I, I didn't need to set anything up. Actually, I think I went second. It was my first turn going second, and they had a Bond Suite in the active. Um, I, I escape roped, and they had to give me the Bond Suite, and I just brought up my Charmander, attached the Fire Energy. It's weak to fire, so it does 60 damage, which is perfect, <laughs> and they just scooped basically right then and there, because at that point, what are they going to do? Yeah, so, they had no setup. Really, really cool counter catchers in here. The Choice Band is in here. Uh, you do 10 extra damage, so that means... Your opponent takes one prize. Now Charizard's doing 210, just shy of a lot of numbers. So that choice band lets you hit that extra 10 damage to knock out Champows, knock out uh, Maridons, knock out, you know, random Lugia Vs, things like that. So the choice band's the Vitality cool. Band. Vitality Band, that's what I meant. Not choice band, sorry. Yeah, vitality Band. Um, 
You knew what you meant. I knew you what I meant. It. And you can get both of those with Arvid. You get both of them at the same time. You get the Vitality Band and the Counter Catcher. So you can bring up something that's from the bench, but it has 210, 220 HP, attach a Vitality Band, boom, KO, or attach it, Justify Gloves, whatever you need to do for those dark types. And there you go. Now you're hitting for the just the exact number that you need. It's so, so strong. Temple of Sinnoh's in here too. Something else worth noting to turn off those jet energies, turn off those double colorless energies. So Temple of Sinnoh's also a pretty cool inclusion. Yeah, especially because you're not playing any, um, you know, special energies yourself. It's just, why not? Um, and then one thing, I, one last thing with that Pidgeot I just thought about I wanted to bring up too because it'll lead into my honorable mention is um, it also saves you from decking out Yes. In certain matchups. Yes. Um, that was one thing I thought you were going to touch on. Um, no, and then I when you did, I'm like, I need to make sure to make, bring this up. <laughs> because, because going into my honorable mention, I picked the seventh place list from Kito Arai. Arai, I think is the last name. A-R-A-I. Um, and playing Snorlax Stall. Um, yeah, I picked, picked this because as no, we talked about you, last you week. You picked it because you're a bad person. Because <laughs> I'm a bad person, I lo- like to watch people suffer. What's what's that copy pasta that's been going around Twitter? Um, I, I you talk about your deck, and then I, while I look for this, please. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned last week, I, I am a fan of like di- alternate win conditions, stall, mill, control. Um, but to see a seventh place finish from Snorlax Stall, um, there wasn't too many Snorlax stalls in day two at all whatsoever i think i only saw three maybe four as i went down the list um but this list runs the four block snorlax one copy of the Mimikyu, so prevent damage from ex and v a rotom v and a pidgeot v itself so it can also not deck out in certain situations um this deck is literally meant to annoy you. make your opponent you. run yeah it's yeah, it, it tries to mill all your it plays the misfortune sisters to try to mill your items so to get rid of your switching options, um, and anything you might need item based for the game. It's playing big charms, capes, uh, three copies of pennies. So if you do start a chip damage at Snorlax, you can pick it up and start all over again. Um, Silene, so you can loop all those cards back into your deck. Sydney to disrupt multiple copies of Palpad, so you can put all those supporters back into your deck. Uh, Giacomo for special energies to get rid of. Um, like we mentioned, Temple of Sinnoh as well to turn off special energies in case you come into something with gen energy um, or just colorless Lugia in general. Uh, four counter catchers because you're never taking your own prizes um, and you're just going to continue to be able to use those as much as you want. Um, the only thing that I don't like about this list uh, and the way I would uh, something I would want to include in there is a crop copy of the Crabominal V and a water energy purely because of the Pidgeot V scenario in other people's deck. If they gotten, they've gotten to a point where they're looping their Pidgeot V in deck, you can use that Crabominable to mill that card from their deck and therefore they can't, they just are milled out of their deck and they lose the game or just can't use it if they find a way to cycle more things back into their deck. That's that's very interesting because the one thing I don't like about this deck is everything. Is the deck itself? I don't <laughs> like the deck. Uh, the the copy pass is so long, um, but basically it's, we're ready for it. I'm not I'm not reading the whole thing. I'm gonna pick out a couple of sentences. 
Uh, this is not me, by the way. This is copy pasta. You'll find it on Twitter. Playing against tall decks that don't attack is not fun. It never has been. You're essentially going out of your way to bully people who just want to play the game. It's the equivalent of joining a ranked match on a teamwork-based game and spamming emotes and running around with them instead of helping them win. Dead weight, and everyone on your team hates you for handicapping them. Um, I have read this. It's, it's, <laughs> it, read it simply proves who you are as a person. Entitled, lazy, narcissistic. You waste other people's times where they could go into another match and actually play the game and have fun. Uh, there's a reason majority of the community looks down upon them. And you know what? I'm one of them. I look down on you. <laughs> That's fine. It's just, <laughs> it, it is one of those things. Hey, people can look down on me all they want. It's one of those things where it does definitely take a, a different like skill cap to be able to run with these decks. And yes, it is like, it it can not be fun, but can also be very fun to play it. It's like, I don't know. It's alternate win conditions, and I, I I'm a fan of that because it's just it's it's breaking. Not I don't want to say breaking the game, but it's it's twisting the game in a way that's like that's makes you and your opponent have to think a little harder. Yeah, I know. I don't <laughs> listen. How many times do I have to say it on my channel on this podcast? Twitter, <laughs> I don't want to think. I want to go and I want to play my Lugia. I want to put my Urshifu, my Tyranitar in the active, and just hit big numbers. I want to put Roaring Moon in the active and just say goodbye i don't actually want to think or play the game like how do i make this clearer (laughs) oh my gosh yeah no it's like i said there are a lot of people who do not like these variants or these four alternate forms of winning but i am a fan um nick you are not and that yeah that's really all we have to say If, if you're a fan of this hit me up on twitter we'll we'll talk uh, narcissistic stall lists. And if you're a fan, hit me up on Twitter so I can block you. <laughs> <laughs> but we got a top eight. We have t- a top eight from LAIC. Um, I think, so last week, I predicted that Guardi would do well. And I, I no, in all fairness, I did say Guardi would win. But in a way, Guardi did win. Because not only was it the top seed going to top eight, but it was the most represented deck in top eight with three Gardevoir decks in top eight. So again, someone who despises the psychic type, I, I don't like a lot of stuff. It's, as it turns out, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> uh, psychic types, all psychic types, all fairies. I don't want anything to do with them. Um, but I did pick Gardevoir and it was the most representative uh, three in top eight. So good for me, I guess. Yeah, no, Gardevoir was definitely um, poised to be one of the stronger decks going into the format. It just, it went back to the whole argument of, and we talked about it last week, but are you going to finish a best of three um, because the deck can take so long? And if you're a great player and you're at a, you play at a fast pace, then you can do that and you can win. I mean, we saw it on stream multiple times and we, doing wait, very well. We, and we're going to talk about the pace of play thing. We'll get there. I don't want to, we will. I don't want to we'll spoil it too bit, much. But yeah, but the, um, but yeah, so it, it definitely is still in my mind, one of the best decks in the format currently. And yeah, it just, it really is. It's one of those decks that it just has a lot of sequencing and stuff like that. So to see three in the top, eight honestly does not surprise me whatsoever um with those three inclusion we also have a lasso and giratina a lost box version i actually don't remember if it was a turbo or what kind of version of lost box it was um 
the Maridon we talked about, Entev, uh, an Iron Valiant, the Kibbles and Bits, there you the go. Snorlax there Stall, you go. and that rounds out our top eight. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty interesting top eight. Um, you know, you're gonna see the same deck appear a couple of times uh, over some events that happens. Though I do personally love it when it's eight unique decks. That just makes me happy. But this isn't. This is, I would still say, a pretty diverse and uh, not shocking, but Snorlax Stall and Entei, the Kibbles and Bits being in top eight is pretty cool and something that I might not have guessed. So I'll take it as a win. Yeah, and pretty diverse, you know, the the players themselves as well, too. Uh, there's seven different countries represented in our first IC also in true. the top eight, which is, is really cool, too. Yeah, that's the beauty of these internationals. We get to see players from literally all over the globe, and here they are in top eight. So wonderful, wonderful to see. Yeah, and then outside of that top eight, I did just want to include the include this uh, as well for us to talk about. But the day one meta, um, I tried to find the day two chart, but I couldn't find it for some reason. I know I saw it somewhere previously, but um, alas, we just have the day one. But there was uh, at the the highest percentage at seventeen point eight percent. We had Gardevoir EX with two hundred twenty four decks. Uh, the next was Charizard EX in Pidgeot at sixteen point one percent with two hundred two decks. Chen Pao uh, EX at nine point nine percent with one hundred twenty five decks. Lawson Tina with nine point six percent meta share with one hundred twenty one decks. Uh, Roaring Moon which we didn't see any in top eight in Nick's favorite at 9.1% with 115 yeah. decks. Yeah. And then uh, to round off the graphic, we have uh, 8% at Maridon EX at 8% with 101 decks. And then there was 30% of the, the pool was using other decks as well. And this was provided by RK9 Labs. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I'm not super surprised. I think the only thing that I would say is that maybe roaring moon i would have predicted to be a little higher maybe you know above 10 percent. but otherwise yeah charizard and gardevoir are a little higher than maybe i would have suspected i um but again we've just in the past week or so we've been seeing gardevoir just have a ton of results charizard's not only a very good card but a very popular one so i'm not surprised there either people already have the cards obsidian flames has been out for a while so it makes sense that these are the most popular. And just to talk about day two very briefly, Gardevoir was, I think, jumped up to 21 or like somewhere between 20 and 22% of the day two meta. Wow. So it actually converted super, super well. And again, yeah, we, we really see the top well. eight, right? The three of them, that's almost half of top eight is Gardevoir. So a uh, very strong deck and something that if you are even if you are playing Gardevoir, you have to learn the Gardevoir matchup at this point. I mean, you Gardevoir, Charizard, and then pick another deck that you think is going to be popular and learn those matchups, please. Yeah, yep. So converted very well, and I agree. I, I thought Roaring Moon would be at a little bit higher percentage, but um, I, I guess it was one of those things that it just people, you know, thought it wasn't as good maybe as they, they originally planned. Yeah, I don't know if it's they didn't think it was going to be as good. They didn't trust it in a best of three. They, who knows, didn't have the cards physically. Um, it's it's still very very early. This is the first tournament of a new format. So again, something we talked about last week is that consistency is king in these kind of events. And again, Gardevoir being 
the most popular, having an extremely good conversion rate and showing up three times in the top eight kind of proves that point. So people might not want to be playing a relatively untested deck in Roaring Moon and kind of stick with the things that they know. And look at the other uh, the other decks in these top this top six. Gardevoir, Charizard, Champau, Giratina, Maridon. The only new archetype in this list yeah. is Roaring Moon. Everything else is a known quantity, so not really surprising. Yeah, exactly. It's just going in and feeling safe. Yeah. Um, but but with that, we'll also jump into the actual MetaShare study provided by Justin Basil. Um, our top eight decks, we'll just briefly touch on these and we'll move on. Just because we've kind of talk, talked for a while about some of the decks um, that are on this list. But in tier one, we have Gardevoir EX by itself, uh, still there from last week. Uh, in the tier two, we have Giratina V-Star, so Lost Tina. Number three spot is Snorlax Stall. Number four is Rory Moon. And number five is uh, is Sablezard, it looks like. Yeah. And the tier three spot, we have Maridon EX uh, in the number six spot. Entei V with Iron Valiant in number seven. And then Charizard EX rounding us off at number eight spot. Um, any decks that surprise you on here or... Um, or things you would think would be on here, but you're you're not seeing. No, not really. Um, I guess the only thing is Chim Pao not appearing on this list, but I'm pretty sure we said that last week. It's one of those things that it could pop up at any time, and I I, I really think anything in this list could drop off or pop back on. Mew is not on this list again. It's one of those decks that could very easily pop back on kind of at any time so uh it's probably just i would say both those decks are probably just waiting in like the 9 10 11 spots probably if i had to guess uh lugia is probably down there in like the 12 13 spot i'm guessing i don't know the numbers but uh yeah yeah not, not, the not one thing surprising. i the one thing i did want to mention um on the list that is just and it doesn't surprise me but it's the first time we haven't seen turbo loss box on a MetaShare chart in probably about a year. Um, that deck, it's it was up towards the top for so long, and then it just slowly made its way down until now it's um, it's not on the list anymore. And and we could see it pop back on there, but I just that was something I wanted to bring up. That's this is the first time in about a year it's not been on this list, um, and I think that's purely because uh, it's just getting kind of outpaced and outclassed and. Um, things like Iron Valiant are just, you know, keep it keep it in check. Iron Valiant, um, Jirachi, Manaphy, like these decks, these decks run answers to your standard Lost Box shenanigans. And now we're starting to see Sablezard come back. Why? Because it's not as reliant on Sableye as Turbo decks are. So you can still very easily knock out all of these two prize EX Pokemon with your your Sable, uh, your Radiant Charizard, uh, Rung Moon hits you, okay, you can two-tap it, most likely. Um, uh, maybe not. You might have to do, like, an extra 10 damage somewhere, but that's honestly not that hard to do. Snorlax Stall, you have a ton of switch options. You can attack with Cramorant for free, so it doesn't matter if they get rid of your energies. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think Sablezone is probably the way to go at the moment if you're going to play a pure Lost Zone deck. For those reasons, and I'm sure there's other reasons that I'm not considering or, or not remembering, but I've always been a fan of Sablezard, so cool to see it back. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So 
Very cool. And again, thank you, Justin Basil, for the uh, the weekly MetaShare study. Thank you, Justin Basil. Um, we love you. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so next up is <laughs> is a a bit of a touchy subject. Um, so at LAIC, uh, Tord was disqualified. Um, he did make a statement. Um, we're going to read the statement verbatim. Um, and we're not going to get too deep into it because it has been kind of a touchy sh- subject. If you want to read into it a little bit more, um, it is posted on his Twitter um, or X if you would like to read um, more of the comments and stuff like that. But uh, without further ado, uh, from toward round three, day one, I played against a friend from Japan, Gardevoir, Gardevoir versus Sorlax Stall. We played a long game one, which we both knew would decide the series. I lost the game, but without any warning, the judges issue- issued me a a match loss for pace of play the next day round 11 i get pulled out of the match during the end of the set also without any warning or other indicators that something was wrong and i inform that i'm getting another match loss for pace of play the floor judges then greatly exaggerated when speaking to the head judge this included claims of a 13 minute turn among other things unfortunately this is escalated to a dq because of the situation yesterday there were multiple judges watching me every round throughout the tournament, and at the last match, they admitted to have put no less than four judges on the task. I just wish that the judges would have been more communicative, communicative as both my opponents and I saw no issues. Just getting handed match losses and DQs without any indication that my pace was not good enough is against the guidelines for judges in the first place, but as a player, I don't have much power. The people here in Brazil have been so amazingly kind and friendly to me, and I'm sad I will probably not return to this exper- or after this experience. My DQ is one of many questionable decisions made by the staff at LAIC over the last year or over the last years. If you played against me during any round at LAIC, feel free to share any experience. Um, so, Nick, how do you feel about how the events unfolded? Um, Tord has been known for his pace of play, depending on the situation he's in. Um, but he's also known for playing Gardevoir EX currently, which is a deck that is known to take some time uh, because it just there's a lot of moves to make. Um, so and a lot of thoughts on each move because something you do can greatly affect how your game ends up later on. Um, and then finally, how could the judges have handled this a little bit better? Because um, he did mention it was kind of just like he was told he's DQ'd and didn't get a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Um... It's it's a little tough. I I know Tord. We've worked together. Um, he did a coaching video with me. I I you you know worked with him for coaching personally. Um, I met him at NAIC and we we chatted for a while. And he's he's very very nice individual. I I do like Tord a lot as a person from the interactions that we've had. So it's it's tough because there are all these conflicting reports or accusations about Tord and his pace of play. Um, it, I can only speak to what's happening here because, I, again, I've never played against Tord, so I've never been on the receiving end of it. So we'll, we'll handle this, I guess, in the in the order that you asked. You know, you mentioned that he changes the pace of play based on how things go. And I think that's okay. If you're in a good situation, you're in a good spot, or maybe you're tight against the clock and you pick up the pace of play, cool. If you have a lot of decisions to make, or it's a really important game, really important series of turns or sequencing, and you slow it down to make sure that you are doing it correctly and making good decisions, that's also fine. That's what a good player should do, is know how to manage the clock. 
That's not I agree. That's not against the rules. That's that's a skilled player. That's the difference between a regular person like myself and a player like Torn. This time management, clock management. It's a skill. If now getting these random game losses, DQs, whatever, is problematic because I do think there needs to be some level of proof. I think there needs to be a complaint. If both, if it's neither of his uh, his opponents in those rounds where he was issued game losses had an issue with his pace of play, then I don't really see the problem, right? If right, if if their opponent is is okay with how he's playing, then why does anyone else care? Uh, I'm sure you can make the argument that maybe they're afraid to say something because Tord is such a prominent figure in the community. They don't want to get flamed on on social media. Uh, maybe they're a little uncomfortable making a statement that, yeah, the, the play was a slower pace uh, and I would have liked. Who, who knows, right? I don't know what these individuals are thinking, felt. I don't I don't even know how the games went. I wasn't there. So we're kind of just taking this statement at face value. And as a result, I have to, I, if, if he says that the opponents were okay with it, then I have to take that as, as it is. So... I really don't like just getting handed matches and, and DQs again without any sort of proof or complaint from other players. It just it feels really wrong, and and he's right as a player, you really don't have uh, any power. You can make an appeal to the head judge, but that's about all you can do. So it it really really sucks. Uh, I, I I do feel bad for uh, for Torn. This this has to be something that weighs on you a little bit, I'm sure. And to know that this event staff is putting four judges on you to watch your every single move throughout this tournament has to, again, not feel very good to feel like you're almost being targeted, like you're waiting for a mistake I to happen. I was about to say, it's it's almost like, because if he a judge was never called on him by the opponent, it's almost like the judges are purposely looking for issues and i think that's where the issue and that's kind of why i I added at the end how the judges could have handled it better and i think that's the issue is i i I completely agree with what you said that if the opponent if towards opponents didn't call the judges on them why were they there watching him too from the get-go because i I will say i'm sorry and i'm sorry to interrupt I no, will you're say, right. yeah. if someone has received a bunch, maybe not a bunch, but if someone has received complaints in the past for a thing, I don't think it's unreasonable to send a judge over a little bit more frequently, right? To pass by the table he's at a little bit more frequently than maybe some other players might experience, just to make sure, because they might have a history. I'm not saying Tor does have a history, just an individual, right? But to have four at a like at all times is excessive, and yeah, diff- these four judges all might interpret slow play a little bit differently. And if there's some crazy accusation of a thirteen a thirteen minute turn is absurd, that's insane. Yeah. Thirteen out of the fifty minutes on a single turn. If if that happened. I would say, yeah, he should have gotten a severe penalty. Maybe not a DQ, maybe it's certainly a round loss, but um, I don't know. That's some something is yeah. off here in the communication, either between Tord and the judges or the judges amongst themselves. Like something happened there that that probably shouldn't have. But 
again, we know. Right. And and then, and going back to what I was saying too, was the, the, like my tip, my team and I, we talk about like, if we ever get disgruntled, like we tie and we go, Oh, the person should, we're playing slow. We always tell each other. It's like, well, that's out on you. You should have called the judge. Right. Because the judge isn't going to be like, Oh, Hey, that guy's playing slow. He needs to pick up his pace of play. I'm going to give him a penalty. It's like, that is on you as a player to call the person. So if none of his opponents were calling judges, I mean, I do get where you're, where you were saying the stipulation of who he is and stuff like that. But I mean, if, if there's really something going on like that, the people going to LAIC, especially in round 11, people who made day two, they know better to call judges and stuff like that. So I think this was more, and I don't want to say witch hunt by any means, because that just makes it sound a lot more severe but the fact that there was judges watching him when there was no, like four judges watching him yeah. when there was no like opponent didn't call a judge over. It was just they were, they were watching, hawking him, waiting for a mess up, pretty much. Yeah, it, I think that's where it's an issue. Those judges could have been out helping and watching other matches, but yet there was four judges watching one player play for some reason. Yeah, it it just feels a little unsavory. But I guess that at the beginning, this is all the information I have. So I have to, yeah, exactly. you know, I have to kind of take this as is and take it at face value. So I'm not, again, not trying to imply or insinuate that Torres, you know, hiding details or making something up or trying to downplay. Again, I'm just reading this exactly as is and saying, okay, if this is the truth, then some, you know, it just doesn't seem right. But that's, that's really all I have to say yep, about and- it. And if you guys, the listeners, want to like look into this more, like I mentioned, this is uh, verbatim posted from towards Twitter. Um, there's a whole big comment section, some positive, some negative. Um, feel free to go check it out and read it yourself. We're not going to read any of those comments or anything because there are quite a few negative and and a lot positive too. But um, feel free to read into it more if you if you'd like. But we thought we'd touch on this because it is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. But we are. You know, we're we're reading this from what we know uh, and what we can see. So because we were not there um, outside of that, we do have a little bit of news yeah, on a positive. So note. Paldean, yeah, exactly. So with a little negative, here comes the positive. Um, Paldean Fates will be our January shiny sets. Um, so kind of similar to Shining Fates or Champion's Path in the past. Um, this set will reprint a bunch of Pokemon we already have, but in shiny forms, as well as introduce some new cards. One thing with the release, though, we found out that it will have a staggered release. So on January 26th, February 9th, and February 23rd, different products will be released every two weeks. Um, They've been doing this like I said, for a little while now. It feels like Celebrations started it. And yeah, since then, we've started to see these special sets kind of come out in a drip model, which I actually don't mind at all. As someone, I, I don't care about the set whatsoever. I, I probably won't buy any of it or very little of it. But as someone who maybe couldn't get to the store January 26th because I had work or something came up, now I have multiple opportunities to go and find products without having to like pre-order it or pay, you know, higher than, you know, like third, third, uh, third party prices or something. So I don't mind this, this kind of trip feed of, of uh, product at all. And it's a it's a great business model for Pokemon because oh, yeah. it keeps people coming back to buy more. I mean, because yeah. it, it's not like it's the same product being released. It's like it's the same set, but it's different things. Like one will be a booster bundle, one will be a blister, one will be an ETB, right? 
Which so the collector side of it, they got to get one of each, so it keeps them coming back. That and it's like, oh, I only care about the tins. I like collecting tins. It's like, all right, well, you got your day. Set your time aside and and get out there. There and make you it go. Happen. Yeah. Or if you don't care what you get, as long as you get to open some packs, it's like cool. You got three opportunities. Assuming it sells out like that day at your local store or whatever, you got three chances to get there and go buy it. So it it's very accessible. Love it, but. You did mention that we got some new cards coming out, so we should talk about a few of them. Yeah, yeah. So first up, we've got a new Gimmagool. Um, it's a psychic basic Pokemon with 50 HP. Uh, for one colorless energy, hide in treasure chest, flip a coin, if heads, during your opponent's next turn, prevent all damage from effects of attacks done to this Pokemon. And for another singular colorless energy, ram, 10 damage, weak to dark, resistance to fighting, and retreat of one. Um, kind of just a new gimmagool to put into uh your golden go deck i think um the call for family one's still a little bit better but this could be kind of interesting with a you know uh preventing damage effect you know say you're going second and yeah you've don't want to be hit but i still think call for family might be better yeah, i don't know many scenarios where i would rather use this hide and chest attack than call for family. i guess maybe like i open double VIP past Nest Ball, whatever, you know, Pokemon search options I have. It's like, I don't need to use Call for Family now. I can use this. So maybe there's a world you do like three Call for Family and one of this. Just as like, a, yeah, I need to buy a turn, maybe not first turn, but turn two, three, four. I need to buy a turn. Okay, I can hide in chest. It is a f- coin flip, which canonically, like theme wise, thematically makes a ton of sense. It makes sense, yeah. But it still stinks that like there is a fifty percent chance that you don't do anything, uh, and then it's also even if you do escape rope, boss, counter catcher, depending on who's you know winning the prize trade and stuff, are all ways to kind of easily get around this, and and that doesn't include <laughs> anything with shred, um, but it does protect against both damage and effects, so it can't even be sableyed or wrong wound or something. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, the only thing is escape rope, like you mentioned, yeah. ways around it. And with it being 50 HP instead of the 70, it's just, or 60, whatever the call for family one is, it's just, it, it is a little bit lower HP. It is worth noting, escape rope is regulation E, so it might not be useful right now, but who knows what's going to happen in the, in the next Maybe couple in the months. Future. So all things just kind of store in the back of your mind and hang on for later. But <laughs> speaking of gimmick ghoul, we have a Golden Go, a new Golden Go. This is a single prize Golden Go. Metal-type Pokemon, 130 HP. Obviously, it's a stage one that evolves from Gimme Ghoul. And it has the attack for a single cause energy, Bountiful Riches. Attach any number of basic metal energies from your hand to your Pokemon in any way you like. And then we have a second attack for Metal Colus, uh, Metal Double Colus, Gorgeous Surf, which is a phenomenal name. It does 80 damage. Flip a coin for each metal energy attached to this Pokemon, and it does 80 damage for each head. So it's 80 times number of heads, not 80 plus. 80 times, so you could do zero, you could do a bunch. I'm not crazy about this, although I, when I first read Bountiful Riches, I thought it was attached to this Pokemon, and I thought that was trash. But being able to attach basic metal energies to any Pokemon is kind of cool. The only issue is where are you going to put this outside of a, a Golden Go EX deck? 
maybe age of slash i guess but that seems really stu- like that seems convoluted and golden go ex yeah. wants to discard energies from the hand and this wants to put energies from the hand into play so it's kind of like if you use this attack to power up your pokemon then your golden go ex doesn't do as much damage the following turn it just it just doesn't feel synergistic with what we have yeah, the 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 thing I've seen uh, or I've thought about this could be partnered with is something like a Dialga V Star. Okay. Um, because you can accelerate a bunch of energies to it, and then next turn use its um its attack that allows you to use attack again, so you can take a knockout and then go back and attack again with the Dialga V Star. The only thing I don't like about that though is um, you are using an attack to accelerate those energies, whereas I'd almost rather, you know, the deck The deck is not very good by any means, uh, especially currently. Um, but it plays the Magnezone right now, which uh, gets the has the ability where it looks at the top six, any metal energies you attach. I'd almost rather keep that because it's an ability and not your attack for turn. I, I was just so, going to say that. I, I still like Magnezone better. Yeah, I think because even though you have to rely on a, a Magnemite and a Rare Candy still, um, I still think using the ability is better than using this as an attack return because obviously if you use the Bountiful Riches as your attack return, your opponent's just going to target down that Dialga next turn or during their turn. So all that accelerating you did was for nothing really. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's a lot of fire decks running around right now. So anything metal... <laughs> Uh, like a Dialga V-Star, it's just an easy target. Yeah, Entei, Radiance, Charizard in both Sablezard and Charizard EX decks. Like, it just doesn't it just doesn't feel very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this Golden Go, even, even though Bountiful Riches can attach to any Pokemon. It, but it also has to come from your hand. So it's not even like your discard, where it's like, ooh, I could use this kind of mid-game after I've discarded a bunch of energies. Um, you know, those energies went into the, into the discard because of, like, Greninja and Ultra Ball research. Uh, Pokemon got knocked out, whatever. Um, I used Golden Go EX's attack to discard energies to do big damage. That would have been great if it came from the discard, because then it does synergize a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, that would still be. still wouldn't be great, because it is, like you said, an attack. But it'd be a little better, yeah. But it'd yeah. be at least better. Uh, having to go from the hand, sure, we have Earthen Vessel. Um, we have superior energy retrieval, but I, again, it just doesn't. It just doesn't synergize very well. Um, so that's you know not very good in my opinion. But we got one more card. Yep. Yep. Last up, we have Cyclozard. It's a basic uh, dragon type Pokemon with 120 HP. Uh, it's got one attack for Grass, Dark, and Colorless. Rapid Drive, 100 damage. Flip a coin if heads during your opponent's next turn. Prevent all damage from and effects of attacks done to this Pokemon. No weakness, no resistance, and a retreat of one. Um, I included this just because I saw the card, but it's kind of unique. It would be a lot better, obviously, if it wasn't flip a coin. I think the flip of the coin is what automatically makes this card not playable. Um, If it wasn't flip a coin, it would obviously be just absolutely insane, of course. But maybe the trade-off of no coin flip, but it only just prevents you know, effects of attacks or something like that. But um, cool card, coin flip, kills it. 
Yeah, it's a little tough too because it uses an unconventional energy type, grass and dark. We don't really see that a lot, so there's not a ton uh, that it fits into. If it was like grass psychic, then it's like, all right, we can make that happen. Uh, if it was kind of anything else, uh, grass dark is just a, a little bit weird at the moment. Nothing really uses the two together. Um, I feel like that was a Lost Zone deck, like a a Lost Tina deck that used Grass Psychic Dark, or maybe it was like a Wrong Moon uh, Lost Zone deck that had Dark Energies in it, um, like Psychic Dark or something like that. I can't remember, but I, I still don't mind the card a ton. It probably won't see any play, but having 120 health means it's at a Cramorant range. Uh, a Sableye has to commit all 12 damage counters to it to knock it out. Retreat cost the one means it moves for free with like uh, Beach Court in play. It's just that that energy attack is a little weird. And like you said, it is a coin flip. So um, I think if the energy requirement was just a little different or it wasn't a coin flip, I'd be all in on this card, especially as a single price option in Lost Zone decks. But otherwise, I'm just, I'm just not seeing it right now. Yeah, and like it, it you could put it in Reggie Drago V Star um, as another Dragon Pokemon to copy its attack. Why though? Um, I'd rather just use. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's just you chance you chance starting it as well too, which just makes it a you know an extra target on the board. Whereas you really want to just only start your Reggie Drago Vs, um, and then everything else is you know a stage one or a stage two or an evolved Pokemon that you discard. Right. So. Um, it is, it is in theory, it's kind of cool, but I just, yeah, I, I think it's just out of range of being good, unfortunately. It's sad because I love Cycles R as a Pokemon. I think it's so great. Uh, I love the design and I love the typing. None of them have free retreat though. That's the only downside. I, I know it's, they just haven't, the first Cycles R we got was a promo and those first sets of promos are just always awful. And now we're getting this Cycles yeah. R. It's, I feel like that was another normal type single price cycles are that also wasn't good it's like what are you yeah, gonna give it was us in the new set give us a good dragon ex type uh cycles are and that's that's something i would consider playing but whatever yeah that would be really cool actually nick needs to go design cards for pokemon i i, I should honestly uh it'd be nothing but fighting type support but what <laughs> yeah all right, well, with that, we'll move on to a listener question, and uh, we don't have a listener question this That's week. That's a slacking, um, let me tell so, you. Yeah, so if you guys have a question, please feel free to hit us up uh, on the Twitter sphere at PCS underscore pod, and we'll read your question on the air. You know, obviously, it's got to be air appropriate, which is, you know, very out there for, or very open, you know, because it's us, but yeah, write us some questions. Yeah, come on, what, what, what's wrong with you? Go go send the tweet <laughs> PCS underscore pod. Go do it. Um, again with Patreon, there's no updates at the moment because Drew is currently busy at the moment. He's the uh, El Capitan on the Patreon. So without further ado, our next events are. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this. Gun Gundynesk uh, in Por- uh, Poland. And then the Brisbane regionals in Australia. Um, Nick, what are your predictions for these regionals? I, I kind of just feel like it's going to be the same stuff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gardevoir, Giratina, Mariah, I take your pick. Um, I think for 
for funsies, I, I, it's I'm gonna say Charizard. Charizard's gonna win. Uh, Gdańsk. I'll just I'll start with Gdańsk, and then uh, Brisbane. Let's go Gardevoir. It's not a horrible pick for Poland. I think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I just, just I gave up on it. <laughs> I gave up on it. Respect uh, for Poland. I'm going to pick uh, Mew. I don't oh. know if it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the past few European regionals, after we haven't seen Mew make an appearance, really, all of a sudden it pops up and wins. So I think Mew will take Poland. And for Brisbane, I think it's going to be. Oh, I th- I want to say I'm gonna have to go with Gardevoir as well. I feel like there's a lot of you know the Natalie Millers, the um, Brent Tonnesons, all those players, uh, their home country regional or one of their regionals down there will obviously be there, and though they're very on those on brand meta decks like that, so I feel like these, Gardevoir is a good good. You're writing pick. these predictions down because. I don't want to have to keep going back and listening. Do it right now. Uh, to to n- remember how good my prediction was. <laughs> so if you could write these down, that would and be... how bad I am, because I've been <laughs> so off every single time. Yeah, I, I need you to put these somewhere uh, in the Discord or in our notes or something, so I can refer back to it. Write it on my phone as we yeah, speak. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, what was your pick for the first Charizard one? Charizard <laughs> for Poland, and then Charizard, we both picked Guardi for Brisbane. Uh, Drew made a note to us that he's picking Champau for the <sighs> millionth yeah, time. I mean, at this point, I don't even know if these are updated uh, predictions or if we just keep saying he's. <laughs> I, think, I think he's just copy pasting it. <laughs> so there's a good chance that um, Drew is wrong again. So that's fun. Um, I feel yeah, but whatever. I feel I feel like Champau. Could have its time. I just don't think it's right now. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think Chen Pao is great, but it just hasn't been performing. We don't see it on the MetaShare list or the MetaShare study, and I, I think it's a we we saw it on stream by great players, but it, they none of them performed unfortunately. Yeah, but that's that's what we got yeah. for now. So yeah without further ado that's the uh the end of the pod um for if you guys want to find drew katana tcg uh all of his social media handles are katana tcg um i would say hit him up but he's probably very busy at the moment so um just you know keep him in your thoughts guys he's uh, about to become a dad and he's really excited so yeah um we're excited for him too we we can't wait to uh you know get a chance to chat with him and stuff on our end and um you know and wish him all the best I, so i can't wait to uh, if you guys want to find i can't wait to impart oh, no, sorry, I, say, I can't wait to impart all my father fatherly wisdom on him um at, <laughs> i've been a dog dad for a few years now so i feel like i have it down yeah you, you're yeah, a pro at yeah, this that's yeah. all you need yeah i'm I'm still learning as i go it's fine you'll you'll, you'll catch up to me one day don't worry <laughs> one day one day that's so rude i'm sorry <laughs> you're good if you guys want to find me though uh my on twitter my handle is pokerbrews tcg and if you want to find me on instagram my handle is pokerbrews instagram is still the easiest way to reach me but on both socials you can find my link tree account where you can find things like the tcg player store 
You can also find things like our uh, Patreon. That Patreon is patreon.com slash PCS podcast. That gets you entries to the monthly giveaway as well as entries to the PCS locals. Um, And on to you, Nick. Dark Bad Dojo. Take a guess how you'll find me. Dark Bad Dojo. Yeah. Pick a social media. I'm on it. Dark Bad Dojo, YouTube, Dark uh, Discord. It's not, I promise it's not hard to find me. Um, so if you want to, I guess you can. I I came across a little aggressive there, and I don't really know why. I think it's I think it's like my bedtime, so I'm a little I'm like cranky. Um, but you'll see his mugshot everywhere. But I I would have loved it if you came and checked me out on Twitter, YouTube, all that fun stuff. So um, yeah, sorry for being rude. I'm tired. <laughs> no, you're good. All right. Well, without further ado, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, actually, quick. I'm going to edit that real quick. Uh, we will not see you next week because I am going on vacation. Oh. So that is my final update. We are taking next week off. I will be on a boat drinking rum drinks probably. I so. feel like that should come uh, at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll make sure people stay yeah. at the end. Nah, I'll probably go back and include it in the beginning, but... Just wanted to add that in there. I literally forgot. I'm I'm so sleepy dad brained as well. So well, enjoy your vacation. Have a good Thanksgiving. And yeah, Thanks, yeah you all too. American See you guys uh, soon. listeners, enjoy, have a good Thanksgiving. I forgot that it's this week. We're forgetting everything. Dude, We're noobs. Dude, at this. I'm telling you, it's it's past ten o'clock, so my brain's just like it's done. done. All right, well, we'll get you out of here and get you to bed right. then. I'll see you guys. <laughs> see ya.